I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. I am the eggshell and your French toast, Nick Kachanov. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker. And don't make me go in there. Please don't make me go in there. <laughs> don't make me record this podcast. <laughs> Please. Please. Hands up. If I go in there, I don't know what I'll do. It could be a few days. It could be a few months. I mean... Oh, yeah, the hands. Oh, the hands. What I love about that, it is so early into the movie and so early into Meryl's career, are we getting Meryl? Yeah, physical drama. Physical drama. Physical drama. I love it. I live for it. It adds so much to that scene. And it's it's so funny because I don't know the total time she is on screen, but she feels present during the times that she's not there. I don't know how she does that. I don't know if it's the magic of Meryl, the magic of the film. Yeah, um, I think she's only really in about a quarter of the movie is what I read. And of course, for folks who did not read the title of this episode, we are, of course, the movie in question is, of course, yes. Kramer versus Kramer, uh, which Meryl Streep won her first Oscar for, for, of course, what else? What are we doing here talking about? Best Supporting Actress... <laughs> Uh, in at the 1980 Oscars for 1979. Yes. Um, and I mean, I don't think it's her first nomination. I think her first nomination was the Deer Hunter. Um, mm-hmm. But it is, yeah. this is really like, uh, you know, the role that kind of took her career into the stratosphere. Yeah. And what a film. I want to say film because it sounds more fancy. Yeah. Like if you're, yeah, I'm a film major. I'm not a movie major. Yeah, a movie yeah. major. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? It sounds so cheap. It's like I'm not a theater major. I'm a plays major. Plays and musicals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> theater with an R-E. So. Theater with an yeah. R-E. I'm a theater with an E-R major. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Let's exactly. get it clear. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, Colin and I were talking just a little bit off mic, but there there is so much to unpack here. Um, what a great film. What a what a great conversation that we're going to have about this film because it is just that it's like Kramer versus Kramer. Are you hashtag team Ted or team Joanna? Yeah. Or a hashtag uh, team Margaret. Margaret. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all a little bit team Margaret, you know? Oh, I'm on the right podcast. Okay, good. Yeah, good. I'm in the right place. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Now that that's settled. settled. I can't Um, wait to talk about Margaret. Can I just say that up front? uh, she is the wind beneath my wings in this movie. She is oh. quintessential best supporting actress energy. And I'm so, I mean, we'll get I know. to it. We'll get but to it. But it just, so like, let us act one gun it that Margaret, on second watch, it's like, yeah, but Margaret. Yeah. And the relationship with Ted and Margaret yeah. is so, it's so nuanced. interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. And such a short amount of time as well, too. Mm. She only comes in every once in a while. And, um, 
yeah, makes a splash, but we'll get into that as well. Um, do you want to go right into your initial thoughts of the movie, or do you want to talk about Meryl a little oh bit? Oh, my goodness. With your relationship with Meryl? I mean, that is a question. I mean, these are the questions that, that define my life, you know? Um, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like when inevitably we do have our Celia Weston episode. It's like Ugh. when when it's time to answer the question of what is your relationship with Celia Weston? Oh, I'm going to have God. to get up and leave the room and then come back and because I'm going to need to compose myself. <laughs> like, you're like, Ugh. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to go cry in your bed. Yes. Just like June bug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The pro- <laughs> yeah, I said it last week, too, but it's just worth mentioning every episode. Um, Celia Weston crying silently in bed because she's just too strong to do it. And I can't in front of anyone. I can't remember if it was something we talked about off the mic or it was if it was on an episode where you said what the the statue for the Westons would be would be a bed, <laughs> just a vertical bed. It's very like hairspray on Broadway. I don't know if you've seen hairspray no. on Broadway, but like she's the first shot is her like standing up in a bed mm-hmm. that looks like she's sleeping, and then she pulls off the covers. But instead of Tracy Turnblad, it's Celia, Celia Weston crying silently in <sighs> bed in June. Bug. Yes, <laughs> I love it. Um, let's let's start with Meryl. I think let's start yes. with the matter at hand. Um, Meryl Streep. I mean, I, I. There are people who do not like Meryl Streep, and I understand that. You know, I feel like for as many people really who love how mannered she is, and how kind of like you can tell that she's done her homework, and you can see her often making acting choices yeah. with a capital A, capital C. I think. I don't mind that because I like watching people make acting choices. So I know that I'm very subjective on that, you know? Yes. Um, but I, what I enjoy about her in this movie is that even though we do kind of get Meryl acting like right, right away from this movie, it yes. is not um, Julia and Julia. Julia versus Julia or whatever that movie is yeah, called. Yeah, Julia. Wait, Julie and Julia. Julia and yes, Julia. That, Kramer that versus Kramer. Me for a Julie versus Julia. Yeah. <laughs> um, Celia versus Celia. Celia versus Diane. The Westons <laughs> versus the Weestons. <laughs> um, I I do think that there is an element of, of Meryl maybe um, at times it, it maybe the roles that she's playing or whatever kind of lend for a little bit too much of that mannered acting but I think sure. this role she was very measured and it, there was a lot going on right under the surface or a lot that was just like very sort of delicately being placed outward you know performance wise that I I really appreciated this version of Meryl um I think yeah. we kind of forget sometimes you know younger Meryl like I feel like the I, when people think yeah. of Meryl Streep now it's like Devil Wears Prada um yes. mama mia um i don't know what's another sort of like you know late night 90- i was gonna say doubt but i don't think it falls under the category that you're describing mm. but i get it like florence foster jenkins yes like or, or, or like, like you know uh, something's got to give or whichever one she was yes. in whichever nancy myers movie she was in oh yeah um it's complicated it's complicated though. which i adore i, I don't know it. if i've seen it's complicated Oh, you should. I think you would like it. It, it. It's, you know. Yeah. It's it's exactly what you want it to be. So that's, so Something's Gotta Give is the one with Diane Keaton. Yes, which I've never seen, Colin. I don't think I have either, but I have okay. seen a montage of her crying in it, and it's insane. 
Because I, I think I can picture her like walking in on Jack Nicholson naked and it's like a whole like she's in a tizzy. Or am I confusing it for a different film? Are you thinking know. of it's complicated when there's isn't there some kind of like sexy webcam with Alec Baldwin? There's that. Yes, there is. But I, I picture Diane Keaton walking through double doors, like opening them up and Jack Nicholson is standing there and she does her Diane Keaton thing. I don't know what I'm picturing. Are you thinking of the movie you haven't seen yet, Hanging Up, when she and Meg Ryan and Lisa Kudrow open the sliding door and see their father, Walter Matthau, in bed and do it? They all three do a Diane Keaton? I mean, I can't wait for that. But no, that's not it either. I mean, listeners, help me out. I, I, Am I dreaming up a Diane Keaton scenario in my head? I, I don't know. I think that Diane Keaton has walked in on something and screamed, at least 12 times in her career. At least. Exactly. So yeah. I think that I think you're on to something, Miss Fletcher. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But back to Merrill. I'm sorry. I Ooh. we I interrupted. I No, that's okay. It's okay. I, I like that Diane Keaton works her way into our conversations. Yeah, she's a through line. She's a through yeah. line. Yeah. Um the Keaton cast cuz has she she's never been nominated for best supporting actress. So yeah, she's always been leading. Yeah, yeah. so we got to kind of like, you know, shoehorn her in where we can. Got to get her in somewhere. Yeah. Um, so uh, sneak in some Keaton. That didn't rhyme, but it'd be great if it did. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so uh, Meryl. I Meryl. love Meryl. I have seen, I feel like, you know, the iconic Meryl roles are really like Sophie's Choice, which I've only seen yes. some clips of. Uh, I've seen kind of oh. like the when she won it moments of of oh for sure you know yeah. like take my my daughter you know yes, um, yes. do you know that did I spoil Sophie's no, choice no 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 I've seen it before I think I've seen it twice actually oh so yeah. you have seen it yes yes I'm I'm very curious to hear your thoughts because obviously she won the Oscar for that like two years after this like yeah your take on the Meryl we see in Kramer versus Kramer versus what she's doing in Sophie's Choice um, yeah. Is she, um, like, do you think that, like, I mean, because I'm thinking of, like, actresses now who are kind of up-and-coming actresses. I think of, like, a Jennifer Lawrence or an Emma Stone or, um, you know, Saoirse Ronan, I think, is a great example. That's probably the best mm-hmm. example of, yes. you know, you can see something she was in two years ago, and then it's like, oh, wow, she's evolved so much, you know? Um, I'm wondering if it's been the same for Meryl. Uh, yeah, I would, I would have to say... That to answer your question first, uh, Joanna versus Sophie, which is a great episode, I think. Mm. We can break that down. Because um, I think that there is, as far as um, I'm trying to think of like a different, another role, which I'm sure you can chime in on too, because I feel like we've talked about it, where she gets to exercise every muscle of her acting chops. Mm. Like there is not one stone left unturned. There is. Um, she learns Polish for the role. Like right. she speaks it. Uh, it is, it's crazy. Like it, it's as far as like disappearing and becoming another woman. Cause it, it takes place in New York. I think she moves to like, is it upstate New York or it's just New York in general too. Where yeah. She meets, um, Kevin Klein, who was just like, I can't decide if he's like a genius or just this manic, psychopath which i think he kind of is in the movie too Mm -hmm. like he is just this volatile sort of man that uh that she finds and there's this like library scene at the beginning where she's asking for this book and she has like this broken language uh, that she can't she wants to find this poetry book but she 
uh, she says the name of the like the last name of the the uh, and they can't find it or something like that. But she knows that it does exist because she she's read his poetry, and um, and the guy's being such a dick. And she's like sick as well too, and mm-hmm. just there's so many micro moments in that. And then Kevin Klein like helps her or something like that. Oh, but, um, I would suggest watching it. It is it. It's just to kind of round out your, you know, your education and sort of uh, the love of Meryl that you already have. There, there's so many more moments like that because she's she works at a concentration camp, but she she kind of is. Uh, she works privately with like the family I believe that mm. owns not owns it, but like she doesn't have it so bad. I guess I, I hesitate saying that, but that's kind of what the situation is. And Isn't there's there... like a shower scene where she's so skinny. There's like a physical transformation. There's like learning a new language, and there's just good acting everywhere, mm. pouring out of every sort of pore in her body the entire time. It really is like a tour de force performance. It is quintessential i mean for lack of a better word i sold me i mean i don't it's one of those things yeah. i don't know why i haven't seen it other than like i've seen parts of it i've seen some of those like like the when she's telling the story of of being in the camp and you know yeah, she's looking out that window yeah <laughs> yeah and moonlight just casting on her beautiful she's so beautiful right and then they cut to the shot of her you know being you know walked through the the mud field at the camp yeah. you know just it's like Jesus Christ. So it's like kind of yeah, hard to one... want to dive in yeah. and watch that, you know? Yeah. It's not one you put in on a rainy day where you're, you kind of have to be in the mood for it. Not in the mood for it, obviously, but, uh, you know, be in that mindset. We're like, all right, I'm going to do this today. And I will say for as devastating as it is, it is a well-balanced movie in the sense of like, it doesn't stay there. It's not Schindler's List, you know what I mean. It is mm-hmm. not like I can't take any more of this, or I'm gonna. It's it's it just weighs on you. Like there there are moments like that, but it does bounce back. Um, it gives you a little bit of of a reprieve. Yeah, and um, well, that's yeah, good. that's good because yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, Schindler's List. That's like a. I just keep thinking about when it was like a two VHS box set, and you're like, oh my god, I have a whole other tape. I can't. This I know. Is... I still haven't finished it. I oh. I watched it on. I watched it on Netflix. I don't know what possessed me to just start watching it, but I was like, all right, today's the day I'm watching Schindler's List. And I had to, I think it's because I have the power to turn it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, you have the power to pause like a VHS or a DVD too, but like since it was on Netflix, I felt for my health, mm-hmm. I had to turn it off. Ooh. And but other people are like, you just have to do it, like push through. And I, I can't, my heart hurts too much. It's such a hard movie. And I just, I think, um, I get the idea of oh you know watch it but I get that but yeah you know you gotta put your your own ox- oxygen mask on first sometimes you know yeah um, exactly so yeah I'm I'm keen you know to finally watch Sophie's Choice it's like you know how many times am I gonna make some kind of like Sophie's Choice reference without actually having yeah. seen the movie you know yes exactly um, you gotta earn it yeah yeah I also am very keen to finally see A Cry in the Dark which I feel like she won an Oscar for that's the Adingo Ate My Baby infamous movie oh and I feel like that's another movie where she gets to kind of do everything she learned a really difficult Australian accent yes. she um you know, she gets to kind of act, go to a 27. She gets to, you know, kind of do all her Merylisms. Um, yeah. I often think that, I think because I read a review that said this, that even though she wasn't even nominated, her performance in The Hours feels very quintessential Merrill in that she does kind of get to do all the things that we know Merrill to do. 
that is one of the greatest mysteries of all time for me. I don't understand because they nominated like for what music of the heart yes you know all these other movies that are i I don't want to say throwaway performances because that it it doesn't necessarily but it is in that sense of like you would nominate like what i don't know what year the hours was it was uh chicago Mm -hmm. so Catherine zeta jones and queen latifah took up two of those spots um so that'd be like what 2003 um, 2002. 2002. So yeah. Julianne Moore was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, and okay. Nicole was vo- nominated nominated for Best Actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, other than Catherine Zeta Jones, it was Kathy Bates and About Schmidt, um, and I think she got nominated because she got naked. And yes. uh, Queen Latifah in Chicago. Well, Meryl Streep was nominated, but for adaptation. Ooh. Okay. Isn't that interesting? I'll take that. I'll take that. And then if we yeah. go to the Golden Globes, because, you know, I always like to I like to compare them Globes, uh, <laughs> then she, well, Constellation Prize, she won the Golden Globe for adaptation. All right. Um, but then the fellow nominees, because I always like to mention the other nominees of Golden Please, Globes. I love it. Because there's always a Linda Kozlowski in there, you know? <laughs> I think that's going to be a category of, like, weird nominations. Is like, oh, yeah, th- th- that's a total Linda Kozlowski. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um the name is perfect exactly that's why i love it it's like my new drag name is linda kozlowski (laughs) no change just straight up linda kozlowski Um, oh that's perfect so kathy bates was also nominated for a golden globe for about schmidt queen latifah was also nominated for chicago susan sarandon was nominated for igby goes down and then the linda kozlowski award goes to cameron diaz for gangs of new york Oh, <laughs> yeah, perfect. But I will say, like, I remember being, I mean, whenever that came out, I was like a junior in high school that I was like, Cameron Diaz is a serious actress now. Oh, and yeah. I was like really excited for her. And, you know, oh, this, I was this like, is this when we're finally going to take turn. We're going to finally take Cammy D seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I know. <laughs> God. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I, I'm very keen to kind of yeah expand my knowledge of um, Meryl Streep, especially even early Meryl Streep, because another movie in 1979 that she was in was The Seduction of Joe Tynan. And oh, I started okay. watching it, but I it's a little hard to find. Um, it's not like available on the streaming sites. So I found a bootleg version. Um, it's sort of like a political drama starring Alan Alda. Um, and she plays this woman. He, he, I think he's like running as like a senator or congressman. And then he starts having an affair with her. But his uh, wife in that movie is played by one of my favorite actresses, Barbara Harris, who was nominated ooh. for Best Supporting Actress, um, who I love. Who I just I, I could do a whole podcast about her. And yeah, um, but she, so I started watching it, but it was this bootleg version and it kept like, you know, buffering. And I was like, oh, fuck this. So yeah, yeah. Um, that I'm keen to see because a it's early Merrill and two it's Barbara Harris and I know she gets like a one of those breakdown scenes. So yes, yeah. So um, so yeah, this is a great sort of intro I think to early Merrill. Um, let's talk about Kramer versus Kramer. Yes, please. Um, I watched this because I was interested. Uh, I didn't watch it with Keon. He was in the room. He was working from home, and I was just sort of. But I, I made him like watch, you know, the breakup scene, and um, he was kind of half working, half watching the courtroom scene. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it's, how do you how do you turn away from that? That's just like oh. those moments where uh, where you just have to watch because of the performance on the screen. But um, 
one of the things he said right off the bat, he's like, what about her story? Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we see what happens before the breakup? Which I think is like one of the, it's like, I feel that's a, a good, you know, um, starting off point or what is it? What, what am I trying to say? Uh, you know, jump. It's a good place to start. Yeah. I'm like a launching point or a, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I, what it sounds like is the book, we do get a, more of a sense of, well, the book, we get more of like a sense of how they got to this point, but I think the book doesn't give us as much kind of depth about Joanna. And I think mm-hmm. that was a lot of purportedly what Meryl Streep had an issue with, with the role was that, um, we don't really get to understand Joanna as a human being and, you know, we get to, or really get to kind of see like what the wounds are. And we just kind of like see her as this like narcissistic villain who's like had a change of heart. And so I think the book, while it does give us the build up to the breakup, I think the movie gives us more of like, I think it more answers that question of what's her story, but it's not so much the movie it's Meryl Streep because she wrote that monologue in the courtroom yes. scene. And I love that story. I think I, I listened to um, a new podcast. Um, it's called Meryl Streep and the Movies. Have you heard of this? No. Colin, it's real good. So it is exactly what you want it to be. It is, um, I feel like, um, a lovely, fabulous gay man and his best gal pal who's actually named Meryl. Oh, my M-A-R-Y-L. Uh, just break down every Merrill performance and talk about it. And they actually had an, a great interview with Bob, Bob Benton, I'll call him. Oh. Robert Benton. I'll call him Bob. You call him Bob. Because that's how everyone calls him and, you know, uh, the behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. But Bob Benton. So he uh, talked about the film a little bit. A lot of stuff you kind of already knew. It was kind of an interesting interview. Uh, at that point, I felt like he was, you know, getting on in his years mm-hmm. and was not, you know, not crazy or senile or anything like that but uh it was it was still worth listening to but um i forgot where i was going with this but we were talking about uh oh there was something specific that i wanted to mention because of that podcast and i can't remember it now um well i was mentioning about the courtroom scene and that she wrote that monologue yes yeah yes and maybe i read it somewhere else because i i i did a little bit more research on this one uh, than previous episodes too, but that all three of them wrote something. So Bob Benton wrote something, Dustin Hoffman wrote something, and then Meryl wrote something. And they oh. decided to go with Meryl's uh, version because it, it just had the best point of view. And I think Bob Benton only cut two lines from it. Uh, but I love that she wrote that monologue. Yeah. Because of course she should. Yeah. I So th- I had read there was this Vanity Fair article that was about – Meryl yes. Streep and working Oof. with Dustin Hoffman and retooling the role and launching her career. And the and it's interesting because I feel like there's a couple instances in that article where it's like, well, there's Meryl's version of the story. There's Dustin's version of the story. There's Bob Benton's version of the story. But about different things about like, you know, and so but that that certain thing, what Bob, you know, what Bobby had said, Bobby Benton, Bobby Baby Benton. Bobby Baby. Um, what Bob Bobby Baby Benton had said was that uh, – <laughs> You know, th- there was a monologue that he had written for that scene, and he said it just like wasn't working. And what he said to Meryl was like, "This feels like a a a woman's story being written by a man, and and you know we need like a woman's perspective on this. Like, do you want to take a crack at it?" And so she did, and so she wrote out a whole monologue, and yeah, and said the same thing that like basically it was perfect, and they just had to like cut you know cut a couple of redundant lines, yeah. um, and it's. I mean, I, 
I mean, it's interesting, like reading that article, because there was another instance where they talked about even at the very beginning, and I think this like ties to that, where Meryl's version of the story is that when she met with, you know, probably Bobby Baby Batten and whoever else, she yeah. kind of said, you know, oh, I, you know, you're going to need to make some changes to the script before I agree to do this. Like, she's so, you know, she's such a... One-dimensional, prin- really. Yeah, yeah, she's such a princess, blah, blah, blah. And so that's her version that she kind of stormed in and demanded changes. But then I guess, yeah. like, his version is like, no, she was, like, really quiet and um, didn't really say very much. But I think they saw something in her, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know which version I believe... I. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, which version? I, I don't want... I, I want to vote Meryl, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm always... I think it goes without saying on this podcast that we are always, you know, our default is to believe the woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it always is. Exactly. I'm kind of like, well, even though... Against two men. Yeah. Right, right. Like, I'm I'm always going to default to believing the woman. Uh, yes. Ultimately, because I feel like there's that element, and then there's these other moments like in the courtroom scene or in the initial fight where that article talked about Dustin Hoffman kind of using some like really fucked up method acting techniques to try to get her to like get to that place. Like in the courtroom scene, when, when Ted's lawyer is asking her, like, did you fail at the most important relationship relationship Uh, in your life? Did you read about that? That Dustin Hoffman? No, that scene is just so beautiful. I mean, that scene is... Tell me the behind the scenes. So that scene, I mean, it's an incredible scene of Joanna being cross-examined by Ted's lawyer and asking her, you know, what's the longest relationship you've had? And, like, reminding her, like, isn't it your ex-husband? And didn't you fail at the most important relationship in your life? And so, and there's this great moment where she, like, looks at Ted and he, like, shakes his head as if to say, like, no, you didn't, you didn't fail. So the backstory of that and she of course is just like starting to break down it it, to me it's quite possibly when she won it is is this moment um but i do have another nomination for that as well oh yeah um but apparently the backstory is so the big backstory of this is that at the time of casting or right after um you know right before all of like casting started her lover, and I'm going to pronounce his name, his last name wrong, John Cazale? Cazale? Yeah, Cazale. 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 I'm not sure. So John died. John died of John lung C. cancer. John yeah, C. John. died of lung cancer. Fine. He was an actor. Um, and so she was kind of still very much going through the grief of that. And so Dustin Hoffman apparently, before that scene, like went up to her and started like just saying his name and like, bringing that up for her and then she's getting cross-examined by this lawyer saying did you fail at the most important relationship in your life and then dustin hoffman told her to look at him when he like to kind of direct that moment and she looks at him and then he shook his head because he was trying to create this moment of saying like no meryl you didn't fail at this relationship with john thinking that's what he needed to do to get that reaction out of her and i don't I mean, I don't love that at all. I think it's garbage. I don't love it either. But I think um, kind of knowing that, and like, I guess to me, like the point of this is that watching that, this article was kind of bringing up the question of like, are we watching Meryl the actress being a technician figuring out how to do this moment? Are we watching Meryl the woman grieve her lover? Are we watching Meryl the actress trying to remember to stay Meryl the actress, but Meryl the woman slipping through. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are we watching in this moment? Yeah. It reminds me, which I've, I've said this quote 
um, on an earlier episode <laughs> of Moira Rose. She's like, I see what you're doing, trying to break me down like Stan Kubrick did the Shelley. The Shelley. <laughs> I? Totally, he totally. But that's kind of it. It's it reminds me. It's 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 manipulation. It is, um, it's not necessary considering the the talents and the like. You said like the technical <clears throat> uh, qualities that she has as an actress. Like, but maybe it's because she was quote unquote new to the scene, or he had not worked with her and didn't trust her to be able to get there without that. Um, it's still fucked up in a way though yeah and he's i mean apparently a notoriously difficult actor to work with and um they had to recast the role of margaret because the original actress like developed a stammer from the anxiety of working with him but jane alexander had worked with him and all the president's men previously so she was like yeah i know how to handle this so um fun fact she was nominated for an oscar for that role as well um but we'll get into that in a a second um jane Jane, uh, Jane, Jane, uh, I, uh, so yes. So I feel like there's also that element too, is that apparently again, going back to this vanity fair article, Dustin Hoffman would just kind of like find his co-stars weaknesses. And even like the little boy, um, who plays Billy, I mean, he like, in order to get him to like, get really emotional, like he would, I think the, the playground scene when he falls and, you know, hurts himself, you know, Dustin Hoffman was like, you see all the crew around here and all the cameramen, like you're not going to see them again soon. Like this is all temporary. You see him over there. You're never going to see him again in a few weeks. And like was fucking with him to get an authentic reaction. And I don't know. I just like, I, I'm so excited by when actors do this work internally with themselves, like do method work on yourself to bring out that shit. But to me, like this is this is like harassment. You know, this is emotional harassment like and psychological harassment to do that unknowingly to like your co-stars. Yeah, and for Justin Henry, I mean, we we will talk about Justin Henry because he is quite possibly one of the most important pieces of this movie. Yeah. Um, and such a great performance by him, who was also nominated the youngest yeah. uh, person to ever be nominated for an Oscar. And I think that still stands, I think. I think so, because I'm, I think Tatum yeah. O'Neill was like nine when she won or 11 yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, but the thing about that, too, it's like the aftermath of it for that little kid. They couldn't get him to stop crying. He cried for like three hours because he was inconsolable because he could not. Yeah. He couldn't differentiate like, or Dustin saying like he should have I don't know how you would present that to a child like I'm going to talk to you but know that I'm doing this because I want this reaction this emotional reaction not because and like and after this like after we all cut you can let go of it yeah I don't know how, if a kid would be emotionally intelligent enough to know what that means and to shut that off if, if he could and obviously he couldn't yeah I mean the example that I think of that where I, I sounds like they managed to do what you're talking about is the movie Cujo because okay. such a large part of that movie is a mother and her son trapped in a car with a dog trying to get in and kill them and yeah. the the kid who played um the boy in that Tad uh Danny Pintaro, Pintaro, who went on to be on Who's the Boss? Um, nice. uh, uh, he, I mean, and Dee Wallace, who played the mother, who's this amazing actress. You know, th- there's like making of behind the scenes stuff where they talked about before each scene, like these are really, were some really fucked up, scary moments. And she had to be like, listen, you know, this is not real, right? Like we're just playing pretend. And like he had to have really like 
it's a very impressive performance. I rec- I mean, I know you don't love horror movies, and Cujo's really know, scary, yeah. but yes. it's such a good child performance. He's so believable, like this kid, you know, Justin Henry. It's so believable that it is almost uncomfortable to watch because you're just, like, watching a child suffer, you know? But in the case yeah. of Cujo, it's good to know, like, once it was all over, everything was fine. Yeah. Um, I want to add, too, because I, I rented um... – from the library i rented oh. this movie support your support your local libraries everyone that's right <laughs> and uh it had special features which i mean i love a behind the scenes yeah uh and one of them they interviewed all the cast members and justin henry who was now of course a full-grown adult it was well after the fact it was like mm-hmm. a, almost like a a re-release of the dvd or something but like when special features were becoming a thing right and uh and he says he doesn't blame dustin hoffman for anything he said that he had nothing but a wonderful experience and that he he understands why he had to do that in order to get that reaction so it's it's very in his corner of uh, like but it reminds me of I, I might be it's like I feel like I'm stepping too far for this but if we look at this as a like a, a little bit of a form of you know uh, emotional harassment that you kind of side with that person because they spent so much time together and mm-hmm. there is a level of trust that even when he was being quote unquote emotionally harassed too that he he trusted him enough to like know that that was the or thought that was the right way to go about it and yeah. maybe it was and I mean, I, I don't. I don't think that it was because there should have been a conversation of like you are acting right now, and I I need to get this reaction. But um, there's no hard feelings on his end, and I'm I'm assuming he's a stable human being at this point too. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's it's too far of a reach because I mean, what I yeah. had read was that basically to they filmed everything in order and all and in order to kind of maintain a bond between Dustin Hoffman and and Justin Henry Dustin kind of was the one to give him all of the direction and all of like to tell him like what the scene's about the day of and to get authentic reactions so in a lot of ways I mean like I don't want to use like the word grooming but there's that idea of like Dustin was in that that power role where he was able to kind of create the paradigm for this kid um and I kind of feel like you're right I think that sometimes in that situation, even if it's not something as extreme as abuse, just that yeah. power thing, you just are indoctrinated with the idea that this person is in control and you're not in a place to question them. And yeah, I'm not trying exactly. to armchair, you know, psychologically evaluate this guy, but I I think we're in a time now where we are looking back at things. And while I don't think you and I are trying to do cancel culture here, I think we've had yeah. to navigate this now with Hannah and her sisters and Rosemary's baby and Anything now that people kind of look back and watch, it's like, oh, that didn't age well. Oh, we know yeah. better now. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, yes, um, there is that kind of um, that 2020 vision that we're having on the brink of 2020, you know? Yeah. Um, I think there are two more moments that I would like to talk about. I don't know if you want to save one for later or talk about or talk about them both now. But one of them is the slap mm. and the other one is the the wine glass. Like, do you want to talk about that in context of the film a little bit later or? Yeah. I feel the slap might be, we could talk about the slap now, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think. What, do you, that, what are you feeling? I think that those moments are, are so much, I think, a part of, you know, when we get into the performance. And so I like, let's yes, do it. Perfect. Let's, let's save them as, you know, a little bit of a teaser for people who don't know what those, yeah. what you're, what you're mentioning. Um, stay tuned. Um <laughs> Let's, of course, you know, uh, veer to the left a little and just yes, give a please. moment of appreciation for Merrill's fellow nominees. 
uh, for the Academy Award uh, for 1979. Um, so uh, we've obviously talked about another year, but this, so we've talked about 2002, we've talked about so many other nominees, but now we're going back to uh, the 1980 Oscars for 1979's movies. Fellow nominees include Barbara Barry for Breaking Away, um, Barbara Barry was in the original cast recording of Company. Um, Ooh. Yeah, fun fact. I had no idea. Yeah, okay. I don't remember. I kind of recognize her voice, but I don't okay. know the show enough to know which person she plays. Sure. Um, Candace Bergen was nominated for Starting Over, and Mariel Hemingway was nominated for Manhattan, which Meryl Streep also co starred in. And then, of course, Jane Alexander as Margaret in Kramer versus Kramer. Mm. Love it. Now, as usual, every week, it bears reminding everybody that as we talk about these nominees, sometimes we have nothing to say about them. Sometimes we have everything to say about them. Often we haven't seen any of these movies, but sometimes we have. So, uh, and all of it's valid. So, with that lens, what is your point of reference on these ladies? I will start by saying the only movie that I had seen be besides Kramer versus Kramer is Manhattan. Mm. That's the only my only point of reference. What about you? Because I feel that's a good place to kind of gauge what you know and or what your where your you know blind spots are. Uh, same, and I and I saw it years and years and years ago, and same didn't really appreciate it. Not sure how it, it would feel today because I think she plays like the much younger lover. Yeah, it feels gross yeah a little bit 2020 yeah. vision in 2020 yeah <laughs> yeah love that. Yes. um i am very keen to see starting over and breaking away um partially because i love candace bergen um I, let's start with candace i feel like that's a good yeah yeah uh, you know did you watch murphy brown is that something that's part of your canon that was my question for you i did not i i don't know if i was too young to my parents certainly didn't watch it. We were like a Seinfeld family through and through. And I know mm. that Murphy Brown might have even started before Seinfeld, um, obviously. But or I don't know what the year is or the, the sort of tenure on that. But no, I, I didn't watch it. I How believe Murphy Brown was like late 80s into the into the 90s. Okay, um, so definitely before. Yeah, I feel like it predated Seinfeld. It wasn't a show that I watched either. Um, I think I started watching maybe a couple episodes, I don't know when, at some point, just to be like, what is the deal with this show? Like, what what's the tone? And I watched like the first couple episodes, and it was good. Like, she's really... Um, there's something about her. A, I, the, one of my, one of my aunts is, reminds me of Candace Bergen. Like they have a very similar way of like oh, yeah? they have very similar faces, very similar way of speaking. So there's that feeling, um, the same way like we talked about last week, like Sigourney Weaver. Like we watched Ghostbusters so many times as a kid that I like forgot that like I don't know this woman. She was she felt very present in my childhood, but only because she was always on TV. Um, yes, Candace yes. Bergen feels like a woman that I know because she reminds me of my aunt Nancy. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, so I mean, so I, I I'm a bit subjective. I'm like, oh yeah, no, she's great, but I, um, I love Candace Bergen. I feel like I haven't seen her in very much. The, the only thing I can think of is Book Club, <laughs> <laughs> or like, um, is she in Miss Congeniality? Yes, yes, she yes. is. Yes, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Same. I I know her more for film stuff, but even with that being said, it is very limited, which is surprising because I feel like, like you said too. I mean, I don't have Aunt Nancy as a, a <laughs> reference point, but I I do feel like I've seen more of her than I've actually seen. But if I was to sit down and like really 
write down what I have seen and haven't seen. It, it's probably a small list, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's been my takeaway from like <clears throat> every episode we've done of this podcast so far is like all the things I have not seen that feature actresses that I know I'm going to love seeing, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I feel like breaking away, Um. I, I don't know. I'm going to put it in my homework. Uh, oh, it looks like or starting a, over, starting over. Oh, I think. Away. Sorry, starting over because I just closed. I know breaking yes. away. I was like, that's, there's very similar titles. Th- I had the same thought as I was looking at this. Like, God, every there's a there's a theme there's here. A theme here, yes. Uh, but no, starting over because Jill Clayburgh is in that as well, and she's great. Um, okay. I feel like this is a movie that I'm going to put in my homework pile. Did you? Um, oh, I I will say I watched two clips from this movie. I don't know if you got a chance to watch anything. I did oh, not, Colin. You are gonna love it. Yeah, I think this is like at the top of. I want to watch this movie, and it's. I I would imagine it's like you know, man leaves woman, woman is navigating her new life, and you know picking up the pieces, aka starting over, starting over. Um, but yeah. there are two scenes of her uh, singing, and the first scene is when um oh I forget his name who's in the movie. I'm gonna look it up as Burr a Reynolds? talk. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. He leaves and he's getting on the elevator to like, I think it's like the actual like, I'm going to leave you scene, or at least it seemed like it. And she's singing this song at a piano and she is like manic, but steady. And her voice is like bad, but good. It's very much in the same vein of like Stevie singing maybe this time from Schitt's Creek. It is a moment. And then there's this other scene where she sings again to... You said Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. I, for some reason, I want to say Burt Lancaster, and that's not definitely it. not Burt Lancaster. Um, yeah. And it's this song called "Better Than Ever," which is just heaven. There is this micro moment at one minute and six seconds that I need you to like. Okay. I'm, I'm probably going to send you the YouTube clip after we stop recording, but it's like she almost forgets the second verse, but she's also regaining her composure, and she's like the song "Better Than Ever" is just it's it's so telling of like what she feels like her life is at the moment because I'm I'm better off without you anyway, and she's singing, and it's still pretty bad, and but the whistle tones are just uh, they're all over the place. Wow, I, I really think this is this going to be a. Wow, a good performance to watch or a good movie to watch. Yeah, wow, it's it's super cool. You just sold the shit out of that. I am <laughs> so I am, good. It was like everything I everything I need to hear. To if someone says, "Oh, you should see this movie," it's like, okay, this is an example of how you sell a movie to me. Is what <laughs> <Yes>. you just <laughs> did. <laughs> this is it. That's how you do it. Yeah, um, exactly. Like I feel like whenever. Um, whenever my boyfriend John like like he's like, oh, "Have you seen this?" I'm like, oh no, I, I, we were just talking about. Oh, because we, we were talking about. Uh, Christina Ricci because um, oh, okay. for Patreon for All Right Mary we just did this movie Mermaids have you heard of Mermaids with Cher I've heard of it but I I never seen it yeah I hadn't seen it until we did this but anyway it's like Christina Ricci's film debut and so John mentioned oh like I I know her mostly from Casper and I was like oh I never got into Casper as a kid and I said and, and actually I want to bring this up now tangent because this would be applicable to you I said my theory is Kids who grew up being really into Hocus Pocus were also into Casper. Uh, I would I would say true. Okay. Yeah, I would say the, st- <laughs> ding, the stats ding. are in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, great, great. And so he was like, oh, my God. You, I said, oh, I haven't seen it. He's like, oh, my God, you haven't seen it? I said, no. I, I, uh, I said, I need you to sell me on it. Like, who's in it? What's the story? And it like he was telling me different names and, and things about it. And then, like, finally he says, and, and I'm like, okay, go through the cast list. Who's in it? Who's in it? He's like, and then he mentions Amy Brenneman. I'm like, oh, why didn't you start with Amy Brenneman? <laughs> 
I'm just gonna say I don't know her name, but like um she is great. Um <laughs> So it's like no, just that's that's how you get me in. It's just like who's in it? What's her name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, also um Oh wait, we might be thinking of two separate people. Hold on. Oh, Amy I think Brenneman. there's someone else in it too. The like, there's like a the head villain woman. He said that's who I would yes, love. Yes, Kathy Moriarty. Kathy Moriarty. That was, that was okay, yes, and that yes. is the one. She has this like smoker's voice, and is just like she's great. Okay, and um, I will amend, so, and I know Jen's listening, so my mea culpa. He I, he did lead with, oh, you would love the villain. And then, yes. oh, she yes, is a villain of all villains. Yes. yes. Um, and I was like, and Kathy Moriarty, she's uh, I've seen her in other stuff. She's great. So. Okay. Um, so, yes, that's anyway. Um, so starting over. Yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, I'm into it. very excited now. Uh, breaking away. So I um, I'm mostly, I think, familiar with Barbara Barry from like an episode of Nurse Jackie. She was like in one Ooh, episode okay. as like a socialite who dies. And that's all I knew her from. So I have no point of reference other than that and hearing her on company. Got it. Got it. I don't have any point of reference for her, but I will say I watched the trailer for this movie and it is quintessential like best supporting mom role. It is is that what she's playing the role or the yes, mom? She's she's the mother, and um, she because uh, I I thought she was going to be the young girlfriend or something like mm-hmm. that, and then I looked at the cast list and I was like, oh, because I saw the trailer and I was like, ooh, I like her, and then I realized that it was her. She plays like deadpan, basically their son is like this free spirit, like I want to live a life that's not going to college and like very not of the time. Cause it takes place like in the fifties or whatever, mm-hmm. at least like, it seems like it. And the mother, like the, one of the lines it, cause the dad is just up in arms. He's like, what are we going to do with our son? He's, he's crazy. She's like, Oh, I don't know, dear. I guess we can strangle him in his sleep. And she's just washing dishes. And, oh, like, okay. Not, it's, it's lovely. I can, I can hear that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay, I can get into that because I know it's like a movie about guys, but like, all right, she's giving some, she's doing some mom work. Um, yeah, we love a mom. I think just to sort of, you know, um, make sure that all of the th- musical theater folks listening feel validated, vindicated, and heard. I've done whatever minimal research I could do here on Wikipedia, real quick on company. So she, so Sarah's in like the little things you do together. She sings. Um, she's in Poor Baby. I think she's probably like one of the the first ones i love yeah Poor she's Baby. listed as first on yeah. that number yeah 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 um obviously she's in company like the the number um so yeah so she's just one of the couples she's the one yes. who's doing karate Ooh, yes yeah i love that yeah okay. um which like if you don't know that listening to the original cast recording and now like it's a little confusing it's a little yeah. like what's happening just come at me yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it's, it's just like, what are these little things you're doing together? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, um, so yeah, Barbara Barry. That's all I know about her. But you are, mm-hmm. I'm once again being sold. Um, yeah, let's get to Margaret. Uh, let's talk wait. about Jane Alexander as Margaret in Kramer versus Kramer. Do you uh, just to sorry to interrupt? any margaret talk really but do you want to talk about muriel hemingway in manhattan first or do you want to save her for last i don't know if i have much to say that's okay i really the only scene is like that soda shop scene where woody allen breaks up with her i feel like that is like the moment that i remember from manhattan yeah um 
fine. She's she's it sort of fills that young like Haley Steinfeld true grit slot. The you know ingenue I mean? role, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sort of like up and comer sort of deal. So I just wanted to give her a shout out because she mm-hmm. is good in that scene. Um but it is creepy. Yeah. Woody Allen is 42 and dating a 17-year-old in that film. Yeah, it just Yeah, it's creepy. So moving on. Moving on, moving on starting over, Jane. breaking away. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, it's good. So, yeah, so Jane Alexander as Margaret. A, a role that I like if I had my choice of roles in this movie, I'd want to be Margaret. I yeah. I love I love her function in the story. I love that she's not a love interest. I love that she is she is on both sides at, at different points, that she is has her own complexities, has her own challenges, has her own moments. Um, I think that she is doing, like, I think watching it the first time, I mean, Meryl's role is certainly the more, like, obvious, like, winning role. But, like, watching clips again there's stuff that jane alexander is doing and there's moments in that performance where i'm like this could win it could in another year it's one of those random beatrice straight well beatrice that's like a that's like a different category i'm trying to think of someone off the top of my head and it's it's failing me it kind of reminds me almost of like a terry gar and tootsie um sort Uh of like that energy Uh of you're so happy when she's on screen. I think that this role is a little bit more, uh, there's a little bit more drama in it. I think uh, Terry Gar is giving something else, which I can't wait to talk about Terry Gar and the Jessica yeah. episode. Oh, yeah. A moment. <laughs> I feel like it's a little reminiscent of Octavia Spencer in Hidden Figures. Ooh, I never saw it. Oh, so, uh, she, yeah. she's Go good it. in it. It's a joy to see her, but it's kind of like, Okay, well, this is just like Octavia Spencer doing like good work. Sure. But she, yeah, yeah. Taraji P. Henson has a great moment in that movie. Um, I like I would counter your starting over with Hidden Figures and say like Ooh. you are gonna love Hidden Figures. Like I just know you're gonna love it. I can't wait. I'm confident. I, I've always seen it on planes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like okay. That, that's when yeah. I watched it on a plane. And, of course. Oh my god, course. it was magical. So I. Good. But anyway. Octavia Spencer was nominated. Octavia, excuse me, was nominated, and I was like, okay, I guess, yeah. Um, I think it's similar, where it was like, yeah, okay, yeah, I see. But um, back to Jane. Sorry, I. Uh, what other thoughts do you have? Because I, I mean, I'll jump in real quick mm-hmm. because I felt like I interrupted you. But um, I do love their relationship. I, I love her relationship with Ted. I love that um, she came over. She's like you said. She is uh this neutral sort of energy and it could, because the whole uh, really, and something that we could talk about maybe near the end of the, as our discussion is like, are you team Ted or team Joanna? And is there an answer to that? Or is it just kind of what it is? But she's, I guess a little bit of a lens into that, like, cause she is pretty neutral, but she spends most of her time with Ted. And she also, even in the court scene, says to Joanna, like, you don't understand. He's different now. Like, all the stuff that we talked about, all the stuff that you, you know, were concerned about and complained about, like, it's gone now, and he's a new Ted. Um, and I love just all of their park scenes. My oh, God. yeah. Like, the the chemistry that they have is, it's palpable. It's great. It is. I think that's what I love the most is the chemistry. I mean, there's the scene after Billy falls and gets hurt, and they are back, you know, at the, the apartment, and she's doing the oh. dishes, and that scene in the kitchen is genius work. It's the two of them are 
genius. It's just, it is so quiet and it's so measured and it's all in these like little micro moments of emotions. Like, you know, like when she puts her arm around him at the end and like the meaningfulness of, of her being like, I feel basically her saying like, I feel like an awful mother. And his response is like, if anything were to happen to me, I would want you to take care of Billy because I think you're a great mother. And I think the way that they handle that without it getting so like saccharine was so smart. And I, a lot of it is on her is the way that she takes that. She doesn't get overly like sappy about it. She, She's being as restrained as he is, and I think that's really beautiful is that she's also kind of expressing her emotions in in um veiled ways um that scene and then I think about like that scene when they're walking in the snow and she talks about getting back together with her ex and yeah. when he asks her like for some reason this just really hit me when he says, "How do you feel?" and she goes, "I don't know, scared like it was yeah. I, like I, th- Margaret is a fully realized woman in a supporting role, and that is fucking catnip to me. So, <laughs> I mean, so much that, like, that is if the, if she had one, that would have been my 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 scene for her. Like mm-hmm. that, di- like it's it's an in the details episode. Jane Alexander washing dishes. Yes, like, it, it really is. It like might need to happen anyway. Yeah. I, I fully support that. Yeah, um, because I was in awe of her and him, but like. She never says yes, which I love. She never says like, "Of course I will." Or mm-hmm. She she just she says it without saying it, which yeah. is like, I mean, also catnip to to me as well. And I I there's something about the way he like pats her 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 rump really yeah. quick. He taps her butt, and but it's it it works. It almost doesn't work because I was like, that's weird that he did that, but also. It's established, uh, you know, it's well enough in the, or far enough in the movie that it, it, we know that that's okay, even though it's like not okay, but it's okay. Yeah, um, there is I, sort I, of I, an intimacy with them in different moments. Yeah, he puts his hand on her face in the park at one point. Like they definitely mm-hmm. hug, and like there's, there's, you know, kisses here and there. I feel like I love the fact that they don't sleep together. That yes, that's too complicated. But they do have an intimate relationship, and it's mm-hmm. so rare, I think, to get to see a movie where two heterosexual people, male and female, are just having. A friendship yes i mean not to veer off too far from um from uh jane alexander but should we talk about joe beth williams speaking of sleeping with people oh joe Colin. beth williams i love joe beth williams so much um i she of course i know you haven't seen poltergeist yet but yes i don't think it's too scary i think it has some creepy moments but i think the powerhouse performance of Joe Beth Williams mm-hmm. will carry you through. And the the peak daddy energy of Craig T. Nelson will will Yeah, will take, satisfy everything yes, I that need. Will, yeah, that will take care of any loose ends. Yeah. Yeah, and I think to clarify, like I have seen pieces, mm-hmm. but they are I'd say added up, it's probably only about a third of the movie, and that's being generous. I mm-hmm. think I saw it when I was really too young to see it i remember like i I don't remember where it was so it really did kind of because it's 
fucked up. Like the scene at the end with like the skeletons in the pool. Yeah. That is forever burned into my memory. So that yeah. and the maggots, uh, the piece of chicken and the maggots, like that is also That's pretty fucked up. Those are some of like the grossest, scariest parts. I know, and that's what where what I think of immediately. But I mean, in the details has, you know, guided me and assured me that the performance uh, uh is is well worth the watch yeah. and beatrice Strait is great in it i mean she I is forgot that she was in it she's in it she is really fantastic there's a great scene there's a couple great scenes with her she's great oh there's a there's one my favorite i think i talked about it in the details but there's this whole like four minute sequence however long it is it's all a single take and it's them like talking to caroline on the other side and, and it's just it is such a perfectly done scene and all of them kind of have a moment it's ugh. And it's Joe Beth Williams, like, just not getting the Oscar she should have for this role. Bummer. Yeah. So she was great in this. So this was, of course, the role that they were a purportedly story. Some sources say Meryl Streep was originally being considered for yeah. was this role. Um, it's a great role. It's also kind of like a very memorable, like, if I wasn't going to play Margaret, I would definitely play Phyllis. Yeah, exactly. Like when he yes. asked her if she likes fried chicken and she's like, Yes, very much. Like it's it's so textured in just like this throwaway role. She's great. And the glasses. The glasses. The glasses. The glasses. So uh, now I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, but obviously, certainly you've seen my girl. Yes, of course. So whenever I hear glasses, I think his glasses. He can't see without his see glasses. Glasses. Oh, <laughs> like at this point now, because obviously I wear glasses. Um, at any point that I like. Like clockwork. Anytime I, I'm looking for my glasses or I need to get them or we're going to watch something and I need them, I say to John, like, some variation of, like, hold on, I need to get my glasses. I can't see without my glasses. Yes. Yeah. I love those. Um, I'm sure we could make, like, a short list of just, like, quotes from movies that you use on the daily. Yes. You know what I mean? You use it's conversationally. Always... Yeah. Yeah. And I said it last week, too, about um, Barbara Hershey. Like, uh, then it's garbage. Yes. Like I say that almost... I'd say at least once every five days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know totally, I mean? totally. And that's a fairly new one, but like, I love, I love the deep cuts too, like uh, the My Girls of it all. Oh, yeah. totally. There was a period of time I can't remember the episode or the, even the season, but they were talking. It was a, it was a deliberation on Drag Race, and someone mentions like the name of a car, and RuPaul go says, mm, "Not a bad car." And for at least a few months, John and I would do, mm, not a bad blank, you know? <laughs> yes, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, yeah, I love the deep cuts. Um, I, yeah. I think that's the little things you do together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, should we move on from Jane or do we, is there anything else? The only the, thing like I... Closing thoughts. Yeah. The only thing I want to mention, and this always sticks with me, um, in some ways... Jane Alexander doing the dishes, 110% want to do that episode of In the Details. You should come on. Yes, we'll do it please. together. Um, I also love Jane Alexander cries outside the door. Um, oh, the last time yes. we see her, what I love about that moment is that it lasts about a second longer than it needs to so that it's a moment alone with Margaret. It's it's the Anna DeVere Smith moment. It's the Anna DeVere Smith moment. It's the Sandy Dennis pauses at the top of the stairs moment. <laughs> These are the moments. These are the moments. That make life worth that living. That make life worth living. Like, that could be the name oh, of in the details. Role. These yeah. are the moments. Yes. 
it just sounds so, so it sounds yeah. like a like a car commercial like a lexus car like commercial. a soap opera name yes like the name. <laughs> totally these are the moments but this is like my favorite thing is when you get an extra couple of seconds with a woman where yes. it's just about her story you know and i yeah. i thought that was so interesting to get it like one final moment alone with Margaret where we're seeing her own emotional reaction. It's actually about her for a second, not him. That's yeah. just, I fucking love that. Because she cares. She cares. She cares. the end of that sentence. And yeah. she cares about all of them. She cares about Billy. She cares about Ted. She even cares about Joanna. You know, like she's not trying to get rid of Joanna. She's trying to get her to stay and, and open up, you know, um, and to yeah. see what's happening, you know? So Margaret is... A, it's it's a little bit like the Terry Gar role in Tootsie. It's mm-hmm. like this is the one you want to play. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the one you're most maybe relieved to see, excited to see. Um, uh, it's a, a, an iconic performance, as as the young gays say. as the young or gays would really say. Everyone nowadays iconic, right? Um, iconic. But- I feel like I saw someone criticizing like anything that you know, like using iconic sort of liberally is like, Oh, anything that you feel strongly about is now or whatever that it was just some, yeah, it's, you know, we've kind of run it into the ground. So um. yeah, I, I think iconic has been run into the ground is like, it's just like, it's a pinned tweet, you know, like that. Yeah. It's like, yes. Yes. Now like we, everyone, <laughs> you said yes. 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 <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. Yes. To your yas. Yes. To yeah. your yas. Yeah. Um, yas and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That'd be a great name for like a, like just two gays making a podcast about improv. Oh my god, gay and, improv. I mean, a gay improv troupe could be called Yas and. Oh, or it's just like a sketch on SNL. I feel like we write a sketch of on SNL like at least every episode. I feel like we had one last week. Diane week Keaton's before. Masterclass. Oh yes, Diane Keaton's Masterclass. I mean, I'm still thinking about Joyce Carol Oates and those eyelids, oh. those deep sunken in eyelids. <laughs> Those eye sockets. Those she comes sockets. up every time I open up Instagram. She's there, and I'm captivated by her. Like she, she gives good advice. Yeah, I mean, on character development. I want to take it. Yeah, she is. Uh, she, I, I read. I think I read one of her books. We were the Mulvaneys, and it was okay. A lot. Um, yeah. but yeah, she's great. Uh, so. Yeah, so that's our fellow nominees. Speaking of Joyce Carol Oates, um. <laughs> But, of course, there can be only one winner, uh, and that year it was Meryl Streep. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, as per usual, we like to give a moment of appreciation and a moment of listen to her acceptance speech at the Oscars. Holy mackerel. Uh, I'd like to thank Dustin Hoffman and Robert Benton, to whom I owe this Stanley Jaffe for giving me the chance to play Joanna. And Jane, Alexander, and Justin for the love and support during this very, very delightful experience. Thank you very much. Well, it was a, a, honestly, watching that and kind of knowing everything that happened, I'm actually like, hmm, this is Meryl acting. You know? Yeah. I'm acting. Tony I'm acting. Brown. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a very well-tempered sort of speech. There's, if she doesn't give way to any of the conflict that we've just spent the last hour talking about. Yeah. Too, but, yeah. Uh, um, but it it is, it's her first Oscar. So it's, it's a moment for her. One of, you know, her three. Um, 
and I think it's a nice speech. It's it's I wanted her to be funnier, but of course, like I, those speeches come later too. It's like that Emmy speech where she wins for Angels in America. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, and she doesn't she say something like, "Oh, it's like oh, not her again." But well, that's when she won for the Iron Lady. Oh, that's over right, Viola. Because I remember I was upset. I I saw both of those movies that year, and as as and that's like an. I mean, we're not doing leading actress stuff, but. Uh, I'd be interested to watch the Iron Lady again. There are, of course, moments in there, and she's she's. It's another great Meryl performance too. But mm. I was really rooting for for Viola. But when she won for best, I think it was best leading actress in like a for Angels in America, like what is what is that called? Limited series. Yeah. She's like you know sometimes even I think that I'm overrated, and it was like really funny. And then right. she goes, but not tonight. Mm-hmm. And then everyone laughs even more. She's wearing a big chunky necklace. You of, know, course. of course, of course. Maybe the Iron Lady one was similar, where she was like, I know, like, ugh, not her again. Yes. But yes. Oh well. Yeah. Yeah, uh uh-huh. yeah, I mean I uh it was a nice sort of simple speech. Uh I think the fact that she like thanked Dustin Hoffman first, I thought, wow. Uh when yeah. they cut to him in the audience watching her, I'm sure I'm projecting, but just again, knowing all of that, like there's this look on his face like, Oh fuck you, you know? Yeah, interesting, right? Yeah, it's they... go ahead, go Oh ahead. no, just like yeah, I just because he didn't I don't know if he got no, I'm assuming he got nominated. Oh, he act- won. He won Best Actor. He did? Yes. I actually listened to his speech before we started uh, recording, and it is a fantastic speech. Oh, I didn't realize he yes. won Best Actor for this. Yeah, he did. It's one of his two. Yeah. Oh, I see this now. And then the uh, what was the other one he won? Oh, Rain Man. That was the other Rain one Rain Man, won. yeah. And it is like a thunderous applause when he gets on that stage. Like, people, wow. you know, he looks out, and people are still clapping and clapping and clapping and clapping. Um, and I he mean, gives a really great speech. So it I is a great performance. I'll give him that. Like, it is a really great performance. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there are definitely some moments where I'm like, "Wow, this is." Um, I may, you know, do all the method again. Do all the method, you know, techniques on yourself. But if that's what this was bringing this out, if if it's bringing this performance out, then like, I appreciate it. Yeah, and he looks. I I I meant to say it earlier before too, but. Wow, does he look like Johnny? I, I know. It is uncanny. It's uh, uncanny. And for those of you who don't listen to All Right, Mary, we're talking about Johnny uh, Collins, co-host Johnny, also on Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, I hope he's fine with me advertising that. But I'm if sure you need it's to, fine. A point of reference. Yeah, he does look so. I think even the first time I met him or or knew what he looked like, I was like, wow, he looks like Dustin Hoffman. And I'm sure he's heard that multiple times too. But specifically in this, because they're. I think Dustin Hoffman's like uh, maybe a little bit like forty-ish in this yeah. movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. Colin or Colin, uh, Johnny's a little younger than that, but around the same age-ish. Uh, yeah, so it's like it's crazy. It's eerie. It's like if you put yeah. that kind of like that haircut on Johnny, it would be Dustin. Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, like Dustin yeah. Hoffman yeah. wig. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. Right. I know. <laughs> some Dustin Hoffman drag. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that like I definitely noticed there were angles where I was like, God, this is yeah, this is bizarre. Um, crazy. But yeah, he's, I mean, really remarkable in this. But of course, we're not here to talk about men. Um, We're here to talk about Meryl. And I think you mentioned before, let's talk about the slap first, because that comes first in the movie. That's in this, uh, we don't, of course, see it. Um, So how about you uh, fill our lovely listeners in on when the slap is? The slap. Um, from what I read, because I watched a couple of videos on YouTube, not necessarily interviews, um, but even in the Vanity Fair article, and 
maybe you can chime in to let me know but i since they filmed this in order they just said the first scene that they did together and the first scene that they do together is the breakup scene yeah and reportedly this is meryl's words that um I don't really know what sparked it or like as they were acting or rehearsing or whatever it happened to be that he felt the impulse to slap her in the scene. And of course, like with any sort of, uh, you know, it's like considered fight choreography. I don't know what the term is in movies, but I'm assuming it's probably the same term. Like in a play, like it is very well, like you have to plan it out. You have to, you Mm -hmm. have to alert the other actor that you're working with and there's it, it's very uh choreographed really for lack of a better word and he just did it and i would be so mad Ugh. like no matter what like oh i did it because i felt it like i i get that but that is that is crossing the line and she says in and i don't know if it was in vanity fair but in the stuff that i saw that you can see the slap, like the hand mark on her face mm. in the scene. I did not look for it. Um, I'd be interested to go back and look for it now. But uh, but your thoughts, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think it's fucked up. Yeah, I was looking for the, sla- the, the slap mark on her face to see if I could see it. Um, I don't know if I could totally tell. But you can definitely sense, like my, what I was assuming was that it was when they when they go from the apartment to the hallway, that it was between those two, like, it was the going out into the hallway before that that he had slapped her. And if that is the case, kind of knowing that, again, it could be a lot of projection, but I feel like I can see the the sort of emotional frenetics of her, of somebody who's just been slapped in the face unknowingly. Um, It's, I think it's totally fucked up. I think it is completely fucked up. I am glad that we're in a time now where hopefully that shit can't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the fact that she continued with the scene is, I mean, I feel like there's some people of a certain paradigm that are like, oh, what a trooper. She just, she used it, you know? And it's like, oh, that's disgusting. I think yes. that it's one of those situations that I think this is an example of so much of what's disgusting about Hollywood is just like power abuse. And yeah. in this situation, he's already like a well-established, you know, um, celebrated actor and she's an up and comer and he is, you know, clearly having some kind of power trip on this set. And so I, to me, all of it, like, again, I appreciate that he, that what we see on the screen is a power, is a powerful, impressive performance from him. But the way that he treated everybody else and to the point of feeling like he needs to slap her to get the emotional response he thinks he needs from her, to me is so, I mean you know misogynistic is one word for it yeah. um like to think that like she is incapable of doing her job so he'll just abuse her to get what he needs mm-hmm. is like i'm glad that she i think in some ways when she's up there accepting that award and she says thank you dustin hoffman it's a little bit of a fuck you yeah, you I know hope so cuz i yeah. feel like there's a like i what i'd read in that article was like later on that that courtroom scene when she was, you know, they were saying that because they had to get so many reactions and they had to kind of get her to do it a few times. And so I think the director had said, or someone had said like, you know, reserve your energy here because we're going to have to do this more than once, like reserve your emotional responses. And she just Mm -hmm. did it with the same sort of texture and the same power each time. And the sort of interpretation in the article was, this was kind of a fuck you to Dustin Hoffman of like, I don't need you to slap me. I can do this all by myself. And that I love. 
Yes, I think it 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 shows almost like the uh, you said one word is mis- misogyny with a capital M, really, and but the other word is just like being a selfish actor. Yeah, like, I, I think that like it is almost like a an amateur mindset for like because I remember shows in like high school or even college when like someone would come up to me and like I think for this scene like when when you say this line I'm gonna do this and like I'm gonna do this to you and and I'm like well let's just see what happens first like let me see and and it's not even anything physical or it's like I think you should react this way is kind of what they would say Mm -hmm. and it's like they're kind of directing you as opposed to letting it just breathe and live and see what happens in the moment, because it seemed like it was that kind of environment anyway. Like I, mm-hmm. I felt like they had this freedom and Meryl Streep said in the the commentary, uh, the behind the scene things that she was so spoiled by Bob Benton because she thought every director was that way. Like, cause she had such a great experience with him. That right. Was, cause she got to write her own monologue. I was going like, to say, how often is that going to happen? Yeah. Like trust um, the actor enough to like create yeah. content. Yeah. And um, I just feel because I've worked with some extra actors who are, you know, extra mm-hmm. and are kind of, you know, hands on in the sense of like they always have something to say. And I think Bob Benton in the in the behind the scenes stuff on the DVD set, DVD said that um doesn't ha- like he would just keep going if, mm-hmm. he, if no one stopped him. Like, I just don't feel like we got it. I feel like we didn't like I think we need to do another take. And I, I don't know how I would necessarily jive with a person like that if it was if it was going in the right direction and like we, we were, you know, in the flow of things and like, yes, I would be on board with that. But it seems like it was just his my way or the highway attitude almost. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, it, it's a turn off. Yeah. Like a very yeah. dominant energy of like, this is just how yes. we're going to do things. And it seems more like from what I've read that Meryl was just, this is a job. I am not here to do emotional acrobatics. I'm here to do my job. Like what this reminds me of is like, you know, it bears mentioning her name every episode is Tony Collette in Hereditary who yeah. basically when when some reporter had asked her like hey, god how did you like take yourself to these places because i mean obviously you have not seen hereditary right uh i know this can spark like a very lengthy conversation but i will say that i'm i'm starting to watch more scenes on youtube because i feel that's my only way like there's one that i haven't watched yet that it's like the top 10 scariest moments in hereditary oh yeah but what i did watch was the uh the scene of the brother and the sister like where the actual incident happens yes and i also watched um tony collette's reaction on the bedroom floor oh god i know that's let's we're going down we can really go in but i but so i'm i'm starting my journey and i'm I'm so curious because i love tony and i know that you love it and i want to i want to be able to participate in that conversation Mm. (laughs) Well, the fact that you've seen, and I'm sure, you, I'm hoping you've seen the I'm Your Mother monologue. Yes, yes, yes. I have. So when you, I, I think the bedroom floor scene is a great example. That's mm-hmm. that's a fucking moment. Like primal. Primal, primal. Gut-wrenching scream. One of the most difficult emotional scenes I've seen maybe ever. Yeah. And so, like, that's a great reference point to this, like, you know, some interviewer or whatever was like, how did you do that? Like, how did you, like... Like, did you take it home with you? Like, were you haunted by this? And she was like, no, it's a movie. It was a job. Yeah. I was doing my job. I was acting. And then I put it down. And I don't think everybody's like that. And I'm not saying, like, that's how it should be. Because mm-hmm. I kind of love when actors are like, yeah, I have to, like, I have a ritual of getting out of the, all of that. Because I love the idea of, like, getting so wrapped up in something and so overtaken by a role that, like, 
you do have to do sort of an exorcism to get it out of your system, you know? I think that's probably one of the things about film acting that would be so hard for me is that you don't have the momentum. That's why, like, I love theater because you, yeah. you get to, like, uh, you know, I don't know, just kind of build up to whatever moment it is that that sort of happens to. But yeah. I was, I was going to joke and say, like, uh, interviewing Tony Collette, like, how did you do that? She's like, well, I just called Dustin Hoffman and right. called him up and he gave me a big slap on the face. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I'm good friends with Dustin Hoffman. So, yeah. yeah every... It worked for Meryl. Yeah. yeah, I figured, you know, got her an Oscar, you know. Um uh, Tony Collette robbed. Anyway, um, so yeah, I um, I think that that's like I appreciate that about Meryl, like that idea of like she's doing. And I wonder if Sophie's choice was the same way. Like, was she able to just say, "Okay, I'm just here doing a job, and now I'm going to go home"? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because um, this, I mean, I think that she has some really. I mean, that courtroom scene is certainly. It's not that she goes to a 27 really at any point in this movie. It's yeah. that we're watching this kind of like quiet crumbling happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think... like even more powerful in some ways, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's it's the almost taking it there, but not taking it there. But um, mm-hmm. but still achieving the same effect. I think that's hard. Uh, in the behind the scenes thing, uh, she said that at the beginning that Joanna is ill she is you know she talks about jumping out out of the window she's yeah. like don't make me go in there she's like i uh without getting to that 27 she does because that's when they're out in the hallway and it does make sense about the slap going back to that that she mm-hmm. would say don't touch me because if he, if he did slap her it would like i don't want that again like yeah off me you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. um that's what i the, that, that line i was like oh you can hear that he's definitely slapped her this she's yeah. reacting in a real way yeah i wonder where it was was it when she was laying the credit cards out on the table like where yeah. was that did they start in the apartment and then come out in the hallway and so it happened in the apartment you know yeah. and maybe um, it was imp- i mean a lot of this is improvised stuff too especially right. with and and i want to get to justin henry in a moment here too but with meryl um oh there's something about well it's gone now Mm. but i mean there's i guess the other thing too is uh the breaking of the glass let's talk about that yes i think this is it's a perfect transition to the glass breaking scene because this is again another example of watching actual like meryl streep the human being having an emotional response to something versus a performed reaction and i wonder if it would have been different if she knew you know yeah, so this, I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie yet, they uh, when Joanna comes back, which I feel is such a, an interesting scene to begin with, too, because I wonder, because Justin, Justin Hoffman, <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Hoffman is almost like, he's he's almost a little too smiley for considering um, yeah. uh, where he is at that point. Like, what the fuck do you want? You're back now? Like, um, or maybe it is, it's just interesting how he starts out that scene. That's all I wanted to say about that because I, I think that's an interesting choice. Uh, and she smiles too. It's like nothing really kind of happened. It's almost like they're on a first date. Yeah. Um, yeah. And go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I wonder if there's some element of like so much time has passed that any of like the initial pain mm, like that isn't is at the surface. True. And there's almost this kind of like – to me, what the only thing I can relate it to, and not like I have any personal experience with this in any respect, but like that idea that when women have babies, like there's this 
there's this actual like survival mechanism in your brain that makes you forget how painful it was. So you'll do it again. Yeah. And so I think there's some element of that, of like forgetting how painful it was because there is maybe not necessarily a, a primal need to like re-see each other or, or reconnect, but there is some, like that's that kind of just like thing of, Oh, seeing you again after a year and a half and maybe some excitement about that, some anticipation, some curiosity, like all of these other benign emotions rise up to the top that it's almost like you forget how awful all of this was in the first place. Maybe, I don't know. Like it's, a- I think that's a perfect, yeah. I forgot about the timeline. Yeah. I, I really did at that point too. Cause it, it seems this movie, it, it, it goes, it really, it's only like an hour and a half. Yeah. It's short. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. But within that, there's a lot to pack in. So it, it seems like not a lot of time has passed. But um, I just have to mention, because this is like, I want a painting of this in my house, is Meryl Streep, hands on the glass, mm-hmm. um, looking from that diner from across the street. It is so bizarre. Yeah. And so wonderful all at the same time. And both times they show her, it's almost like they took the same footage. Yeah. Of her across the street watching everyone. It, uh, it felt like, have you ever seen on YouTube, like they'll do like a recut, like a, a recut trailer of like Mrs. Doubtfire as a yes, horror movie. Yes. <laughs> I felt like they could do a recut of Kramer versus Kramer as a horror movie oh. with her as a stalker. Oh, yes, yeah. exactly. Um, there's um, a Sleepless in Seattle one that's really funny, too. Oh, I'm sure. That's great. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. But uh, going back to this glass breaking, so what happened was Dustin Hoffman talked to one of the crew members, the camera guy, that was like, I want to do this thing where I throw the glass against the wall. And he was, and the, the crew was just like, all right, um, this is where you have to position it in order for it to be in the shot and you know a little bit to the left, blah, blah, blah. Because you could see him setting it up in the scene. He puts the glass forward. He takes the glass back. And then at the very last second, he just like swipes it. And, it, and that is fucking dangerous. They're so close. Like what if a piece of glass Meryl is, because I watched her angle. Yeah. Like she is not completely facing that wall, but she's not not facing that wall at the same right. time. And I think they I think there was glass in her hair. Like I think it Ugh. definitely hit her. And yeah, her reaction, it's completely a genuine reaction and it's very oh, startling. Yeah. If you really just watch her, it's like, oh my God, I just watched it's like I just I didn't even watch acting right now. I watched Meryl Streep. But I do love the choice of clasping her hands together and because I think yes. I would be I would be in more like fight or flight sort of thing. I would be like, whoa, yeah. I would just be frozen like with my arms out or ducking or something. But I, I do love that even within that Meryl Streep real moment, there is a choice that yes. she makes like just at the last second. And she, she holds it. Yeah, it's really and it's such a it's a perfect choice because I think that also reads as like when someone does something that aggressive, sometimes you just shut down of like, I'm just going to, I'm going to play Jurassic park. If I don't move, you can't see me, you know? And I I think that's a bit of what happened there. So, um, it's a, it's a startling moment. Um, the little bit of trivia. So that all took place in a restaurant called JG melon. And I guess they like the, the shot of that moment, they like framed and put over the wall, in that spot in the restaurant uh, and that restaurant recently closed. So <laughs> just, it was like a legendary New York restaurant and it's now closed like as of oh, a few weeks bummer. ago. Yeah. That would be, I mean, I don't even know if I'd want to go there if, if really, I mean, I would be interested to go just for the sake of like movie, you know, right. movie trivia, movies sort of scene stuff in New York. But, uh, 
I, I think don't want to remember that moment. Yeah, knowing the full story, I mean, the moment itself is not like this like fun movie moment. It's not like the when Harry met Sally moment, you know, in the yeah. in the, in the deli. Um, exactly. But then, kind of knowing that it was like him being an asshole, it's like okay, I don't want to sit at that table. So yeah, I don't want that energy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I. Uh, I think that, I mean, we've talked about the courtroom scene a bit. I think we've talked about, I think we've hit on a lot of the big moments. Mm -hmm. It brings up the question of when did Meryl win it for you? What's your whistle tone moment? I have a couple and I usually like to talk it out a bit too. And I I don't quite know, but I mean, (laughs) well, good thing you're on a podcast. It's all about best supporting actresses making acting choices. So talk it out. (laughs) I know. I'm like, (laughs) like, that's what we're doing here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think like, honestly, the moment that wrecked me like the most where I actually did cry for sure was when uh, the guy said, did you ruin or did you fail at the most important relationship? I, I, I think there was something about it. And it actually came from Dustin. Like I forgot that he said no, but just everything up until that moment. And even in that moment, like the, the, um, the crescendo really of the, the drama of that situation. And like mm. the, the whole trying to hold back tears as best as she can and trying to stay composed because the way that that question is asked, it's a yes or no question. It is not a, and she tries desperately to say like, well, the circumstances. And then he just, I mean, both of those lawyers were, or I guess like more so Ted's lawyer was brutal with her. Like I've never seen courtroom stuff like that. I don't know how that would fly, but uh, yeah, it's a movie. Yeah. Yeah, That's all I have to say. But um, I mean, it's certainly, I think it's like the idea of highlighting just like how, you know, messy divorces can be and how like, I mean, you know, I, my parents are divorced, but I, you know, I, I was never in the courtroom. Um, they did have some court, you know, some court dates. Sure. Uh, and it, I think like, I think even if this were kind of like hyperbolic, I think the it's, it definitely shows like, I think the damage, like I think you go from being these people who are married to someone who, you know, you've hired someone else to kind of berate, you know, like that's what a lawyer is. It's someone you've hired yeah. to like destroy your partner, to you play know, dirty, yeah. to play dirty. Yeah. And so, um, I think that demonstration of like, wow, like they, they were once in love and now he's hired this guy to like break her down, you know? Mm-hmm. And yet the, the point of it is to get his kid back. And so it's like, it's that gray area of like, but if you're, you know, your intentions versus your actions and things like that. Yeah. And that's only the, one of the scenes that I felt like was <clears throat> cause the editing, it was nominated for editing. I feel, I don't mm. know if it won, but it might've actually, I think it did win. Um, but that was a really clunky transition. Like what happened after that interrogation, the lawyer sits down and Dustin Hoffman says, did you really have to be that hard on her? And then he says, do you want your son or not? Mm. Cut. And that was it. And I guess that really is the end of the scene. But for some reason, it seemed like such a jolt yeah. into whatever happened next. I don't know. I, I don't know why that was the one of the scenes. Because I don't typically, I think like the sign of good editing is that you don't notice it. Um, mm. Or I, mean, I shouldn't say it that way, but in a way, like it's... Uh, you know, bad editing, you can tell and good editing is seamless and uh, moves the story along in a, you know, clever and interesting way. But that was, and maybe that was intentional. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it is definitely like a, a, they're definitely putting a fine point on that moment to say like, Hey, like you said you want your kid back and this is what it's It's going to take. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I, I have to agree. I think that that moment, I think 
the the part of the monologue that she wrote when she was talking about you know leaving and getting better and not wanting to be punished oh, for that yeah. the way that her eyes like the the holding back of tears there i've never seen someone hold back tears and like let them out so slowly you know like yeah. the way her eyes read in more and more during that monologue i was like wow this is emotional control this is incredible uh, and then, of course, yeah, that that moment when he breaks her down and there is like when she looks at Dustin Hoffman, there's such a, such a micro moment of her seeing him say, no, you weren't a failure. But knowing that in that situation, she has to say yes, because that's what the question is. And she nods back at him. And she just Ugh. nods. And it's the way that she doesn't fully say yes. Like, it is a brilliant moment. Like, I agree. I think that is very likely for me her finest moment in this movie. Yeah. Um. You had others, though. Yeah, I mean, I just to kind of, I love how you said she's she because she is crying but not crying. It's like she's holding her breath but also exhaling at the mm. same time, which mm-hmm. is like impossible to do. But like she knows, courtroom scenes are the best, right? It's just oh. like that, that's like a whole other episode. There's so many great courtroom, yeah, and, and they're good for a reason because it is high drama. It is sort of. Uh, especially in a court case like this. That's that's kind of how I wanted to end it, put a button on that. But mm-hmm. um, I think there is this, like, this is like a micro moment at the restaurant with the glass breaking where she, <clears throat> uh, he says, uh, she's like, I went out to California and I really learned a lot. And he's like, oh yeah, what is it you learned? Oh yes, Holly, that do you moment. It? Yes, that's such a great micro moment. Oh, and is she like, you can tell that she, because the whole point of that meeting is for her to say, I want custody of Billy. And she knows that she has to say it. And like, and if anyone's, I mean, I can only imagine it's like the balls to say that, but also like she, in her mind, and I think there is some validity to this, like she is still his mother. Yeah. And that's part of the conversation that they have. But like, there is just this, like, I don't know, a transition or like this, this thought. And she gets like, not stone faced completely too, because she knows what she has to say to him next. But um, I'm having trouble articulating it. But you know that moment. I yeah. do. The and the way I interpreted that was that when she says she's like, she's learned all these things about herself in California, herself in California. He's kind of being in some ways, or she thinks for a moment that he's being cynical, East Coast New Yorker. Oh yeah, what did you learn about yourself in California? Yes. And she's mm-hmm. and so she starts to react as if he is insulting her journey, and then she pulls like and it's all like this is micro moments these are like there's nothing being said this is all just an expressions because then he's and doesn't he say like no really i want to know or something like that where i agree it's that that is it's like no one can tell her to do that no one told her to do that Mm -hmm. that is such an undirectable choice but i know exactly what you're talking about i'm glad that you caught it too because i was like oh i hope he gets this one because it's it's um and there's nothing like, you know, like say that she told herself before that meeting that, okay, I'm going to be nice and I'm going to ask nicely. But as soon as he kind of took that jab and yes. we're going through that lens, like it's kind of like permission for her, like, all right, you want to play that? I'm going to tell you why I'm here. I want mm-hmm. Billy. Yeah. Like, just like, yeah. It, it, it yeah. like lights the pilot light just enough. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that moment. Um, for me, I think the other moment that really won it for me is really that right at the very, very end when she asks him how she looks and he says, terrific. And she does this kind of like disbelief and surprise and 
thing. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. And it's such a beautiful like mix of emotions. Like it's like it's just it's so much, and it's and I especially because it's the ending. It's such an amazing note to leave her on. You know of of and it's not them falling back in love. It's not them getting back together. It's just like I think that in some ways like she's. I think that it's like a validation of like, you're like, despite everything that's happened, like you, you are still his mother. And like, I'm not going to stand in the way of that. And like, like there's like a, there's an agreement between the two of them that like, Mm -hmm. we're not, we're not going to fuck this up. And I think some of that is like being nice to each other. And some of that is like, there's like these little, like maybe not nice. Maybe it's more of like these tiny little, these tiny little forgivenesses that happen in just that moment of her saying, how do I look and him making the choice to give her a compliment? Oh, I do love that. Yeah. I forgot about that. I mean, I didn't forget about it. Cause I, I, I remember thinking that was such an interesting choice because she is a little, she has like wispies in her hair. She yeah. doesn't look composed, but he tells her that she is anyway, or yeah. she looks good. Yeah. And of course she's like come back and like relieved him of this nightmare. She's like, no, I get it. I get it. He's home. And so mm-hmm. I think you know, again, I don't think they're going to get back together, but I think that I could um, I could see them figuring out almost like a, a flip flop of the custody where she, he gets um, Billy most of the time and she gets every other weekend and one night a week and half the vacation. You know, like that seemed to make the most sense to me as they like, let's yeah. just reverse this. I also love that this new chapter is starting almost the same way that it closed yes. in that elevator. And that is some good directing or just like good writing too. Because yes. the the one thing that she says, which I think is such an important, uh, it's just so good when she's like, also, I, I, I don't think I'm in love with you anymore. Elevator door closes at the beginning. Yeah. And now yeah. it's him kind of on the total opposite end of that saying like, you look, fan- what, what does he say? You look fantastic. Terrific. Or, terrific yeah. which is a great word yeah um and and he's the one kind of leaving the last word yeah but also like the first word into this new chapter and i think the movie starts where it's his journey and it ends with it being her journey you know yeah because and in some ways like if there is a sequel to this it's going to be more about her be, being you know a mother again um and him you know like like re like in the same way that he had to kind of learn how to be a parent i think she needs to relearn how to be a parent um in a way that like fits into the rest of her life you know in a way that like she can do it healthfully or whatever you know yes um one of the things that i found interesting this is just like i don't know why it popped in my head but she said in the courtroom that she makes thirty three thousand dollars a year which I read this on IMDb is the equivalent of $103,000 yeah. nowadays. That's because he gives her a look because $33,000 is like nothing. Nowadays. Right. It's like, oh, it's, it's really hard to make a living if you're, you know, especially raising a child um, on your own too. But uh, yeah, it, I just found that interesting. I, I, I don't know. I, and go ahead. I do want to wrap up um, of course, but I do want to mention I just have to talk about Justin Henry a little bit um, playing Billy because there's, there's so much of this movie that does rely on him and like my favorite <sighs> moments. Cause it's like, cause actually Keon's one of Keon's question was like, how do they make a kid cry like that without mm. knowing any of the stuff that we're talking about now? So obviously he'll be listening and, and finding out, but yeah. um, my favorite moment possibly of this movie. <sighs> I know that's like, that sounds crazy but is when they're making french toast at the end Mm. 
and he's sitting on the counter and they do it in silence because the first French toast scene is mm-hmm. it's a lot you know like it's like the, the the kettle's going off he's burning his hand he's screaming and there's eggshells everywhere yeah and it's so it's like the aftermath it's like they they've been through so much together and they finally developed this routine and it's right before Joanna is coming to like potentially take him away from it and he looks up <sighs> It it's so good. He looks yeah. up. Um, Dustin Hoffman looks up at um, uh, uh, Billy, and he gives him this sort of like absent-minded smile to like he just kind of grins at him, and he's he's crying a little bit. It mm. is. It's some good stuff. It it's is. an amazing moment. Yeah. yeah, when Billy looks at him, and you can see that Billy's already starting to get emotional, and they're not <sighs> playing into it, but then he hugs him, and then you hear Billy starting to sob, and it's oh it. It, it was like, oh, God, I this is – I can't – this is so hard. Like, it's yeah. so – because it's just like – it's such a show-don't-tell of this awful moment of mm-hmm. like, you know, okay, this is the first day of, of a new and unfamiliar and scary life. And, um, and like, we're watching them in their familiar. We're watching them in their routine. We're watching, like, Billy in this, like, safe space that they've created. And it's like, okay, like – this is, you know, it's all about to change. And it's, yeah, I, I fully appreciate why this kid was nominated. He, it's some really incredible, genuine emotions um, that even if they're being brought out in kind of um, manipulative ways, he's sustaining them in very powerful ways. Yeah. And even the scene where Dustin Hoff, because like, how do you explain divorce to a child or, you know, and I think that they're. You know, they say it in the way that, like, you've seen it in other movies or in real life. You know, sometimes mommies and daddies need time apart. And sometimes, you know, all this stuff and whatever language they use. But when he's explaining, he sits him on the wall and he explains, like, what's going on. And then he just, the kid starts to cry. And Dustin yeah. Hoffman, like, I immediately, just watching this, I want to hug this boy mm-hmm. and tell him. And he, he waits a very long time to hug him, which I, I feel is sort of deliberate, too. But, uh, yeah, Justin Henry is the perfect kid for that for this casting too and yeah it's, it's he's remarkable he was I really, really great him a lot yeah yeah it was he was really um oh god he was so good yeah and i normally yeah. i'm not interested in child actors at all um Same. yeah <laughs> so so yeah i mean i think that's um trying to think of anything else but i think those are my thoughts on kramer versus kramer i think that i feel good yeah i i guess it really brings us to that question that you posed of like are you team ted are you team joanna like who like i think by the end i'm i'm not team dustin hoffman but i am definitely i am team i am team ted being primary caregiver and joanna being you know visits and and every other weekend and maybe that they do that for a couple of years that's what i'm team yeah i i would agree i mean this movie and even possibly i if and correct me if i'm getting this wrong too but the book was written almost in in a response to the idea of this women's lib movement that like uh that men can't you know parent or be a good parent because Mm. they're men so this book was kind of in response to that so that sort of thesis statement is not one i don't know if that's coming from the right place i guess because yeah um in many ways this movie is set up to celebrate dustin hoffman look at this poor guy um he's doing it and he has a job and you know but like so many mothers you know, not necessarily in that household are already doing that. You know what I mean? Right. There's other people that have to do this. And 
he one of my favorite lines from that monologue that Joanna says is like, I and I love that she says I was his mummy. I was mm-hmm. his mummy for you know is it eight years, six years, five years, yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, Ted filled that role for sixteen months or t- eighteen months, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. It's like it really gives. You have to remember that before you cast away Joanna of her choices. And like, yes, they were, you know, maybe not the best choices for them, but it was the best choice for her. And she came back and she realized. But um, I don't know. I have a lot of difficulty with it. I, I, mm. I think I'm glad that it's like I always just think that they, you can uh, you can talk about that and. It's like I just wish they would have went to therapy. <laughs> oh, like totally. They, I'm like, I'm, and nowadays yeah. that would that would at least be a possibility. But like, then there would be no movie, and then they would just solve things or or maybe get along. And but like, they're you know she tried, but they do mention that she voiced a lot of her concerns, a lot of her needs that Ted just couldn't give her because of his. And at the beginning, Ted is selfish. He's like, "This is the, one of the best days of my life," and she ruined it. He doesn't right. even get that this is. The, possibly the worst day of her life is leaving her family Mm -hmm. yeah exactly Um, yeah because it's forgetting that like to her point yeah like she's been doing this for years like she's been the parent the you know and like the primary parent toast yeah yeah she's been making the french toast and i think it's great that he's gotten up to speed and and she's needed to kind of go you know do her own thing I feel like it's okay. Then, like, then transition back into like, like, because I think for her to just take full custody again, it's like, whoa, you're jumping right back into, you know, um, familiar territory versus like, why don't you guys ease in and figure out a routine that works? Um, yeah. And at this point, yeah, yeah. co parenting, right? I mean, it's like, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, go to therapy and, and have Margaret babysit Billy. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Margaret, all these things. I mean, ultimately, the answer is I'm team Margaret. <laughs> Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. And, and you can even argue, this is kind of opening back up the conversation a bit, but just to, to finish my thought, I guess, um, that a father, even though he is still in the household, can very much be, you know, not there. Oh, I think that, like, you yeah. can argue that, like, that he wasn't a part of Billy's life almost at all. And, like, just because jo- Joanna physically left the household doesn't mean that, like, all the eight years before that or six years, whatever it was, m- was also the equivalent of Ted not being there because he was so consumed with work. He didn't give, I don't want to say he didn't give a shit about the family, but like he cared more about his work. That right. was his priority. So that would be my argument, like in court. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's just, yeah. why is she punished? Because she left for 18 months. But also, of course, she's punished for being, for leaving because it's, she left. Right. But, right. And I mean, uh, I, I think it's, um, yeah, and I think it's a, it's an interesting point. I think that's a good like, you can still be absent and still be present all at the same time. Totally, and sometimes yeah. it's like you know, I think like I'm so grateful my parents got divorced because it'd be so much worse if they didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, you know, no matter what, like a divorce, you are breaking a bone. Can't help it. You, you, there's going to be a fracture. That's just inevitable. It's not about avoiding the fracture. It's how do you like then tend to it and heal it so that you can like mm-hmm. get back on your feet with like minimal residual damage, you know? Yeah. Um, it's complicated. Yeah. Meryl Street movie. Meryl Street movie. <laughs> I think that's sort of the unofficial sequel is it's complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joanna's like, fuck this. I'm going to go move to some big house in Monterey and, yeah, and get exactly. high with Steve Martin and fuck Alan, Alec Baldwin. Yes. 
Ugh. Is that what happens in that movie? I, I don't know. Yeah, kind of. Uh, the, her and John Krasinski and Steve Martin, they smoke in a bathroom. Oh, wait, maybe. Oh, no, it's definitely Steve Martin. Yeah. I've only seen it maybe twice, but it's it's good. Yeah. I've seen like five minutes of it. I don't, you know. I don't know. It's just. Uh, it's it's worth of, a watch. But yeah. Yeah. I'll give it a go. A yeah. Um, well, well, that I lovely rich discussion uh yes. this this i did not expect this movie to have so much to offer i more just thought like let's do meryl streep you know next because it's meryl it's but meryl this was a real revelation i'm glad i yeah. i have like kramer versus kramer in my canon you know yeah same yeah i'm glad to revisit this again too it's just yeah it's great yeah uh, well, that, of course, takes us to our final segment of the week, which is our BSA of the week. And for those not accustomed or acquainted, that is, of course, a performance, a person, a thing, a food, a song, something in our lives that is acting as a Best Supporting Actress this week. Um, yes. So what do you got? What, who's your BSA? What's your BSA? My Best Supporting Actress of the Week, It's. Um, I feel like I should have like nominees because I can never narrow it down to one. But... Mm. Um, um, I did go, um, this is just like, I mean, potentially like a leading actress category, but um, really just giving me Best Supporting Actress vibes because I love her so much. I went to see Sarah Bareilles last night uh, live oh. in concerts, and I don't know what your relationship is with her or like how much of her music you've listened to or not listened to, or maybe you just know like brave and love song and the fact that she wrote waitress the musical which is also fine I'm ding 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 i was gonna yeah, say i'm yeah. not gonna write her a love song but i don't know too much about her no <laughs> those are the three things i know she wrote waitress i know love song and i know brave great i mean and, that's yeah that's that's better than nothing because i actually was talking to a lot of people this week about how i was going to see her and not a lot of people knew her by name i had to either sing a little bit of the song or mention waitress too but she's the coolest she is so awesome and just one of the best singers i've ever heard live before so she has a new album which i'm um you know i i'm not sure if it's like my favorite thing she's ever released but it's well worth a second listen to because i've really only worked through it once um but i just love her a lot mm. and um so she's one of the nominees but i don't think she wins um really i i'm going with a lot of objects lately i remember, if you remember last week my best supporting sweatpants which i'm wearing right now oh good oh good <laughs> um but keon got me just knock my headphone out here keon got me um i think two weeks ago um, I mentioned before too that Keon and I are both doing the artist way. So mm -hmm. writing your morning pages is, of course, you know, sacred time in the morning to kind of just get the, your thoughts out, whatever it happens to be. There's no wrong way to do it, which I love. Mm -hmm. And I typically I write. I don't know if you have like uh, a preferred place to write, but I love writing in bed. It's my mm. favorite place. Like yeah. pajamas. I. In my mind, like, I picture writing by, like, you know, <laughs> on this big, like, wooden oak desk with, like, a cup of tea and looking out the window. But I just like to be comfy. I, I think it's just... Yeah. 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 Life is not Instagram. No one's seeing it. You should be comfortable. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. Keon got me at a thrift store not too long ago. I don't think I mentioned it, but it's one of those, like, it's almost like a breakfast in bed thing. Oh, um, yeah. But it's, like, this wooden structure and it has like two little containers on the side i'll send you a picture of it mm -hmm. um and it also has like the middle pops up in case you want to read a book um but it is just the perfect complement to writing for me like i felt mm -hmm. like that was the missing piece of the puzzle because you know when you're writing in bed you're kind of you know you prop a pillow up or two and write on that but mm -hmm. um it's really and i can put my coffee on it it's just 
Wow. It's the it's like such a little thing, and I think it was like four bucks at the thrift store. But I am obsessed with it, and I uh, and I use it for other things, of course, too. But I I just love it. Yeah. Wow. You know, he makes logos. He gets you writing tables. Yes. This this best supporting actress, Keon, uh, <laughs> is the Meryl of the... Of Continues the... <laughs> to deliver, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, repeated nominee. But certainly, yes, This I, I know what you're talking about with those sort of like breakfast in bed Ugh, table it things. It just makes me feel... I don't know. It sparks joy, for yeah. lack of a better word. It yeah. really gives me a lot of... Even just looking at it, I get excited. Right. Well, that's good. I think that's especially with morning pages. I feel like, yeah, you're getting excited about having a space to do them, I think, is like... Yeah. Is and a key. good pen. That and was a... also a nominee. I ran out of ink in my old pen, and it was trouble for a couple of days, so I had to Ugh. go out and get another one. I've had that happen so many times with morning pages where the pens are just running out of ink, like, like gangbusters. Yeah. And I'm like, this is sabotage. It um, is because it really it makes a difference. The one that I prefer is the Pilot G2 pen stylus. It's one of those like oh, gel. Oh yes, uh, I know guys. those very well. Yes, um, it has the grippy um, on it. Those are great. It has a grippy, and there's another one that's like very close to it. That's an imposter that I bought by accident, and Oof. I was really sad about that. So I had to go back uh, and get get the right pen. Yeah, yeah, it's important. I, I, it's important. important. No, that is so key is having a good pen, a yes. good notebook, and a place where you like to write. Yeah. Um, even if that's in bed. Well, that's great. Um, yes. how about you, Colin? I um, I mean, I guess this isn't maybe so much a BSA, but it's just worth mentioning because we have talked about musical theater so much on here, and I am having a RuPaulsian journey of learning how to find the musical <laughs> coming theater. out as a theater queen. Yes, and finding the musical theater that I like because there's so much that I don't like. There's so much of like like Ru always talks about like. He doesn't like the musical theater where it's like, and I am singing about what I am doing and there is yeah, no melody. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, that's, I hate that. It's so boring. But I, uh, John and I went to see, I finally saw a book of Mormon this week. Yes. And I really enjoyed it. I was kind of like, okay. It was like when I went to see Hamilton and I was like, yeah. okay, like what's, what is everyone going crazy for here? Like, I hope mm. I'm not disappointed. And of course, Hamilton, I just like, I can't tell you how many times it just tears. It was just like, of course, because it was just the most beautiful thing I'd seen on Broadway. I just couldn't believe. And we had such stupid, good seats. We were in the yeah, third row. It was That's crazy. Fucking nuts. And it was, um, so yeah, anyway, but book of Mormon, we were like in the last row, but that was fine. Um, yeah, it was great. It was a really fun show. Um, not my BSA, but I just wanted to mention it of like, wow, I can't believe a show with jokes about um, AIDS and fucking babies and maggots in your scrotum. A lot of scrotum. poop jokes in there, Colin. A lot of poop. Uh, oh, and you went, yeah. There's some poop in there for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, for a show that um, you know of that nature, for it to be this popular and running this long, I'm yeah. like, wow. Yeah. Okay, because you know, so many it people are great. like, there's so many things that get created now, and people say, oh, like. You know, um, no, you could never make that now, or no one would ever support that now. It'd be canceled immediately, and it's like Book of Mormon just keeps happening. You know? Yeah, there's there's so much of the the classic musical theater format that is underneath all that. It's like the subject matter, of course, is like you know, it's it's Matt Stone and Trey Parker, so you right. know what you're signing up for. But like, right. all the structure of like a typical musical and like the the way the songs are structured are there and i think that's honestly why it works so well too. that was my assumption is that that if you take away the content and you just look at like the the 
music and the production and the structure and the story or not the story, but like the, the architecture of, of, of it all. It's a great yeah. musical. Like it's just a yeah. really well-made musical. And so you can't really deny that even it's, if it's like, you know, uh, and I've got AIDS, you know, like it's just yeah, yeah. Uh, brilliant. So that was just worth mentioning. But I also saw a movie that so many people were recommending and I highly recommend. Um, it's called Parasite. And okay. it's, I believe, I've heard about this on the podcast circuit. It's yes, like, I think okay. it's from South Korea. Um, yes, and it is the less you know, the better. So I'm not going to talk about it very much. It okay. is. It, there are moments that are kind of scary, but it's not a horror yeah. movie. So um, towards the end is probably the only parts where I was, I was like gripping John's hand, like you know, <laughs> death grip. Okay. But it is insanely good it, and and in particular the role of um the, it's about this family um so the main family the role of the the mother the mother and the sister are both great but i love the mother she just okay. she's just this great like funny and like nuanced and like tough and like interesting like middle-aged woman it's a great role i think you'd really love her um it's a great movie it is what it says about class and what it says about like privilege and what it says about like, you know, the, the, the extent that people will go to survive. Like it's yeah. funny. It's scary. It's beautifully made. Parasite is one of the best things I've seen this year. I think there is an inevitable American remake, but um, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Can't and like, wait. I did watch the trailer for it. Okay, good. And um, I don't think it tells you too much. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, so, but you but kind I of know. My ears perked up. Yeah, for sure. I would. I would say. Ooh, I'm excited. Definitely see it. It just it felt like the kind of movie I was like, wow, this is. Um, I hope this kind of goes in the canon as like one of the best movies of this year. I think it will. It's like I feel in listening to my early Oscar buzz podcasts. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's been mentioned enough times <laughs> that I I think that will will happen yeah great yeah um well i hope that um that happens but uh oh oh well oh oh of course of course this always happens to us this always happens it's as if we plan it um <laughs> we are being cut off as usual we have gone on too long um so before we get played off this off this podcast completely where can people find more of us more of you yeah, uh, they can find more of me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Kochanov. They can also uh, listen to me on my two other podcasts, The Squirrel Cocktail Hour and The No Good, Very Bad Gay. Uh, how about you, Colin? Well, you can, of course, find me on my other two podcasts in the details, A Celebration of Nuance and All Right Mary. Um, and you can get more of me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And now I think it's time to thank Dustin Hoffman uh, in a very in a very nuanced way, nuanced, tentative <laughs> way. way. We might like just surprise and throw a wine glass at his head, and you know, yeah, you know, something like something that. Like that. I don't know. Maybe we'll just slap him in the face and say, "Good job, buddy." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. I guess that's the end of our episode this week. Uh, and that, as they say, is that. <laughs> <laughs>